trust we're a very grateful people today. We have so much to thank him for, just so much to thank him for. Do you feel a sense of worship in your heart? You've been worshiping, singing. It's good to praise the Lord. Even when you don't feel like it. David said, I will say to my soul, praise the Lord. (laughs) So if you feel like it, praise him. If you don't feel like it, just say to your soul, praise him. Hallelujah. One thing you know, you're doing the right thing. Amen. Hallelujah. We're uh, looking forward to a wonderful evening on this coming Wednesday. You'll want to be sure and be here. Uh, The brothers have just all returned. Brother Ernie, Brother Kim, Brother Michael from the Philippines. And uh, this has been the launching of the Hub Network. Uh, It has ignited an enthusiasm amongst the ministers, amongst the churches, amongst the people, amongst uh, young men in the congregations that have been able to lay hold and see this vision, and it has really sparked something in the country of the Philippines. So we're going to be hearing from each of the brethren, and you'll be seeing uh, also, you'll be here Wednesday, Brother Ernie, for sure. And uh, so you'll be able to really have, we're taking the whole service uh, just for uh, that Not a report as such, but what God has done and what God is doing. And uh, each of these brothers will take a a part of the service, and we're really looking forward to that. Uh, Tomorrow, on Monday, we are having the service for our sister, Minna Dick. Uh, We had, I thought it was announced on Wednesday, uh, but I don't know if the arrangements were fully made yet. But it'll be 1 p.m. tomorrow afternoon uh, here in the church. And this is the first Sunday. We don't have our sister Minna sitting with Brother Jake. And I know it's, a, it's not just a space sitting beside him uh, that is there now. But it's a big vacancy in his heart as well and in the heart of the family. And so we're going to save our comments for tomorrow. But I will say this, she was a mother indeed. She was a mother indeed. She was in her quietness. And many of you, perhaps most of us here, don't know what you will know by tomorrow afternoon. But she was certainly a mother indeed. I will just make this comment. I'm going to make it tomorrow as well. But there may be a good number of you that won't be able to be here because of work, because of travel distance and whatever more. You know, we have little happenings in our life and at the moment it just something sparks in your mind and you think well it kind of stood out and that was different and and but you what you don't realize at the moment is that that moment is going to stay with you the rest of your life or those few words they're going to stay locked in your mind and while you'll forget a lot of things that you think are important there'll be that little sentence that you'll never, never forget. And I remember when Brother Branham took the hand of a woman. Remember it like it was five minutes ago. And he just took her hand. And here I am, just a a teenager. Took her hand. Because that's where the discernment was at that time. 
And he just went like this. The hand of a mother. That never left me. It spoke such volumes, not only of the woman, but that that was what a prophet of God would notice. The hand of a mother. There was something about that hand that had worked hard. And it's amazing, but that is exactly what I felt when I shook Sister Mena's hand. Every time. I thought the hand of a mother. Say, God bless her soul. Rest her gallant soul. And she certainly has a heritage here with many of the children of the family. So we'll be honoring her life and remembering her tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock. And I understand there's a viewing at 1030. That will be at Henderson's. At Henderson's funeral home in uh, Langley. So God bless you as we gather tomorrow. We also want to thank God for the wonderful day we had yesterday. For all of you that were able to come out to the camp, and there were hundreds of you, uh, we put a good test on the deck. And uh, uh, I was standing beside one of the brothers who was involved in the construction. And he says, it might, you know, it was like it was going to sag a wee bit. And I said, oh, I think it was made real well. You brothers did a good job. It's not. No, no, he said, we want it to settle. <laughs> we, we want all this weight on here because we can adjust it back where it should be. And I don't think it gave even a quarter of an inch with several hundred people on it. I want to commend the brothers that worked and, and all who have been there. And I also, we did not yesterday, but I want to thank our brother Raymond, who's not here this morning. Uh, he's at home with a little fellow, as you know, is in a cast. Little Nathan is in a cast from his hips down and will be for five weeks uh, because he broke the, his legs. And so we want to thank Brother Raymond. And uh, we we're, we're really, really appreciate him. And he uh, roasted uh, that beef for all of us and it was just wonderful. It started early and there's a lot of preparation and getting the barbecues and hauling them down and just a lot of work and we appreciate those kind of those kind of works and endeavors and it, you know we go there and enjoy it and so many of you have commented and if you shake Brother Raymond's hand you can thank him. You sisters that also labored and worked with him we just appreciate it. And for myself, it was just so satisfying, so wonderful to see uh, all the senior young people that were there as tour guides. How many took a tour? Could you just raise your hand? Sorry. Wonderful. How many of you that took a tour didn't know that that all existed there? Let me see your hands. Good. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Well, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure there were more, but it was wonderful to see. And then uh, Brother Tom Frey took charge of the parking with all the junior young fellows. And I tell you what, <laughs> they, they had a spirit of policeman on them. <laughs> and I drove in there, you know, little fellows, 12 or 13 years old or even less, and all to their vests on and the authority that went with it and... 
says, oh, Brother Biscoll, you go right over there and park right beside Tom's car under that tree over there. And I said, well, you know, and I, was, <laughs> I would kind of take it quite not that o- that is officious. And the other two that were standing there, and they're just standing at attention. I thought, well, maybe I'll go over and park. My-. No, no, he said, you just go straight ahead, straight ahead. <laughs> just go straight up there and park there on that uh, right beside Brother Tom's car. I said, okay, yes, sir. <laughs> I changed that right away. I said, Wonderful to see them coming up. Thanks, Brother Tom and Brother Jess and Sister Lynn and helping to arrange things. We, we're just so thankful. It was a wonderful day. And that, that was just like a little prelude to the camp, to our family camp. And I can tell you that it will indeed be and take on not only the appearance, but I believe that God was in it and it will indeed be family. There isn't a lot of places for us to go as a family. Isn't it a wonderful atmosphere out there? I know that you felt that. It's a wonderful atmosphere. It's an atmosphere of peace, isn't it? You can imagine if we feel it, what others feel. We have a place that we can go besides being here at church. So God bless you all. Uh, let's stand and maybe let's uh, just sing a song. I just want to worship him somehow. Let's do something. Help me, Brother Rod, will you? I want to sing the first verse of Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. You're singing my favorite song. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. First verse, please. Blessed Assurance, Jesus. Almighty God, our Father in heaven, we are approaching you. We're approaching you softly, humbly, for your prophet said that God's people are humble people. We're recognizing and confessing that we are nothing in ourselves. What we are, we can only thank you for. Lord, and we pray that today that your Holy Spirit will merge, O God, filling us, 
merge, O oh God, and take control of this human spirit and these human thoughts and mind, I pray, O oh God, that the Holy Spirit will have such preeminence that you will take control and cast out every doubt and every question. Cast out every hindrance, O oh God. And we want to come, Father. We want to, as we have already, worship you in spirit and in truth. For those that sang specials, Lord, thank you for their uh, con contribution, O oh God. For all that are making this service possible, we thank you for that. But yet all of that will be in vain unless you, by your presence, settle amongst us, O oh God. Make us conscious of the Holy Spirit. Make us conscious of the angels of God standing at their posts of duty. Make us conscious, O oh God, of the very presence of Jesus Christ that is amongst us now in such a way, O oh Lord, you have testified to it with this glorious message which you have sent. Thank you for the voice, O oh God. Thank you for the message that you've given us. We have substance to believe. We have the promises that have been unveiled. Oh, Lord Jesus, we thank you. And now we pray that you will anoint us, oh God, as hearers. And I, as I'm called on now to speak, I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit will utter the words that should be spoken and that you will have your perfect way throughout this day. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. And everybody could say, so be it, amen. Remembering there's no service this evening. We're in one service during the summer vacation time. I'll have you turn in your Bibles, please, to Mark, the 13th chapter. We'll read a few verses. And I'll ask for your undivided attention and as little movement as possible. The Lord willing, I have also some slides which we didn't get to last week, and now I've added a few of quotes that we've been going over for the last few meetings. And this really is going on from the message, Christ, the mystery of God in you. So I'm, I'm just giving it a different title because I, this would be more or less the subject, the expression of his coming. We're starting at verse 31. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man... No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. And if you were to read uh, further in the chapter, you'll find that Jesus is speaking about his coming. And so we'll look at the 32nd verse again. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. <clears throat> Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man, taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh, at even or at midnight, or at the cock crowing, or in the morning. Lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. And what I say unto you, I say unto all, watch. Amen. God bless you as you have your seat.
We're all interested and very keenly interested, I'm sure, where we are today. Uh, in the last meeting we spoke of, because we are here, because we know that we didn't bring ourselves here, God has brought us here, we need to go to him who brought us and ask him what does he want us to do. Uh, and anyone that goes, even a soldier goes to war, he does not go with his own charge. He goes by commission. He's commissioned. Not only is he commissioned, but he's also equipped. Not only is he equipped, he's also trained. And so God has not put us here untrained, unequipped, or uncommissioned. We're here on a commission. And that was one of the things that John the Baptist could first say, that I'm one sent. That was, that was supremely important. I've been sent here. And he knew who sent him. And he knew that he had been equipped. And those things are all important. So we say now, uh, I, I would like to just summarize very, very briefly, going back into the very, very, we can't say the beginnings because with God there is no beginning. But at some point, at some point in, 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 the, in God's mind, he began to uh, let his thoughts become words so that he could speak things and bring them into existence and cause them to materialize. So, and that was what was called the, the, the word or the logos of God. The logos is simply a Greek word that that refers back to the word, the spoken word. And so the Logos, in other words, it wasn't just what was coming forth from God, but it was the fact that God had determined that, the, that he shall now express and make himself known, so he began to pour out of himself this Logos, or word, which had been thought. He was a self-existent one that existed all by himself, there's only one God, the eternal God, we agree with that. One God, and so this God had in him characteristics, attributes, qualities. And Brother Branham uses the word attributes so many times. And then it is evident from the scripture and in the message, Christ the mystery God revealed, who I'll be making many references to again today, that, that God had this uh, within himself, this uh, ambition, this desire, this uh, motive to express himself. And, and, and it's, it's a force, it's a power, it is something that is beyond human description, so no words that I have uh, or that we have uh, within ourselves is able to describe this uh, Power, this thrusting, God must reveal himself. So he needs to express himself. And thus came the word. So he began to speak, let there be, let there be. And there was. Brother Brown said if he said let there be light and there came a fog, it wasn't God. It wasn't from his thought. So he began to speak. And this Outpouring, and he gives these he gives these various descriptions, and I know that this is fundamental to many of you that attend here. But he gave he gave these uh, 
uh, other descriptive words to this outpouring. He said it was the anointing. It was the logos. It was the word. He talks about the little light that went out. Calls it like a little light went out from God in, in this beginning. And it was the anointing. And it was the, it was the son of God, he said. Now it wasn't Jesus because Jesus was born. But it was the son of God. So by him were all things made. And without him was nothing made that is made. So God, now, what is the Son? A Son is an expression of the Father. See what I mean? So it all meshes together. It was the expression of God coming. And the, and the, the method that he was using is it would be a word form because then the thought now becomes a word. So he spoke it. But it was a word not like you speak, but it was a word of power. It was a word of energy. It was a word that would achieve what was in his mind. It was the Logos. And that word has never lost its power. That's why the promises of God are yea and amen to everyone that believeth. And so God also put that into place that if, if, if his creation would believe him, they would be benefited. If they would doubt it, they would lose everything. See what I mean? And so now, this was the process of the anointing. Now, here we are today. And that which was poured out of God has come all down through the centuries. But God, because it was something that was internally within God and was coming out and being expressed, the expression within itself did not necessarily reveal to the humans what it was. He expressed it. They could see the manifestation, but didn't always, were not always able to grasp what it was they were looking at. I hope this doesn't sound too mystical to you, but, but God can manifest, and I showed it in a number of places. God can manifest himself, and people could look right at the manifestation, which Jesus Christ himself was. I'll just refer to him. He was the perfect image of God on earth was he not and how many looked at him very very few could identify that he was God manifested in the flesh because now that took a revelation on the individual level God by his spirit need to reveal to you what that was and that is why Jesus asked that critical question who do men say that I am and they had various answers and then he said to the disciples but who do you say that I am and brother Branham said he was asking the church when he talked to his disciples he was asking the church and so now here we are as the, as the church the bride of Jesus Christ and that question still holds today but who do you say not who that was who this is who do you say this word is? Who do you say? Is this word the Logos to you? Is this word the outpouring from God to you? That has rippled on down through the centuries of time. Who do you say this is? Who do you say this is in bride form? Who do you say this is within this building today? Who do you say this is that's sitting next to you? Be it husband, wife, young person, brother, sister, whoever it is. Who do you say that it is? And when you say it's Christ... Hallelujah. Then that means that's what came out from God at the very beginning and has come on down to this time. This is Christ. And so then what is Christ? What is this anointing here 
to achieve. Brother Brown said the Logos in the message, show us the Father. It's very, very important. Show us the Father. Said the Logos went out of God, which was the Christ, the anointing that went out. And then in attitude and who is God. Said that was the Logos that went out of God in the beginning. That was the Son of God that came out of the bosom of the Father. Jesus said he came out of the bosom of the Father. And that he would go back. He said that was in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. And then he said this, and in the beginning was God, and then out of God came the Logos, a part of God that went out of God. And so when we, we have to conclude that if we agree, and you agree with, we have agreement this morning, that that, that, that which is here with us is Christ. And you have to say, this is the same What I'm sitting beside and what is in this service today is the same one that was in the burning bush with Moses. There's the same one that called Samuel. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel. This is the same one that David worshipped. Hallelujah. This is the same one that came and walked on earth in the body called Jesus Christ. This is the same one that was with the prophet of God in this generation. He said there's a light and it hangs over the man there, hangs over the woman here. The same one is here today. Not a, not a watered down one. The same one. Not a weakened one. The same one. Hallelujah. The same one who said, I'm alive. And I live forevermore. And because I live, you shall live also. The same one. If you can believe that to the degree God wants you to believe that, this service will be a different service for you. Your problems will melt in that presence. Hallelujah. Your questions will be dissolved in that presence. Hallelujah. The things you think are important will become non-existent in that presence. The things of this world will grow strangely dim in that presence. The desires you have, which are ill desires, wrong desires, will melt and go away in that presence. Hallelujah. Satan cannot live in that presence. He cannot function in that presence. You need deliverance. It's here now. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Hallelujah. We cannot put any restrictions on him. So the unfolding of this mystery of God, and the mystery was his self-expression. All down through the types and shadows, and then in the final fulfillment. Christ, the mystery of God, revealed, he said, now down through the ages, he has been slowly unfolding the mystery So all the acts of the believers down through the scriptures in the Old Testament has been expressing what God's great goal is. And I'd like you to note that the plan of redemption, even the plan of redemption remained a mystery while it was in types and shadows and even while it was in fulfillment. So the plan of redemption to redeem a fallen human race, to pay the supreme sacrifice, even all of that remained a mystery 
all through the ages. You need to stay with me very closely because I'm coming to your address. And even while it was in fulfillment in Jesus Christ upon the cross, it was still a mystery even to the, his closest confidence in his disciples. So I don't care how spiritual you are here today, or what man you may have confidence in, what minister I can tell you that there are aspects of what is happening today as a result of God's fulfillment in this message and the ongoing uh, rippling out of this message, the fulfillment of it, it is still a mystery to a lot of people. And there are aspects of it that are a mystery to all of us. And why is that? I'll tell you in advance and then I'm going to come to it. It's because we don't understand our own life. Our own life is a mystery. And I'm going to show you in the scripture from those that have lived that God has called, that God put his hand upon and called them his elected, his children, that the things that were happening in their lives, the things that were in particular mysterious to them was the very hand of God. More so than their daily labors and their daily striving and all of their ups and downs and so on. That was just, you know, part of life. But in the, in, 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 in the, the essence of their life, God was actually in control of that. So he says, also, therefore, the entire Bible is the revelation of God's mystery in Christ. The entire Bible is God's mystery in Christ. The entire Bible is an expression. And the message I'm speaking to you today, I have entitled, The Expression of His Coming. And where I'm going to come down to your address is that you and I, I say by grace, are the expression of Christ's coming. His second coming. Our lives are the expression of his coming. You may wonder right away if you have a self-examination say, how in the world is my life expressing? Well, I intend to prove to you in the scriptures that we are expressing nay, even now his second coming. We are not just another church. We are not just another gathering of people. The people that have gathered all over, they have their creeds and they have their dogmas. They have their programs. They have whatever it is they're established on. And that's what they're expressing. We only have one thing. We believe that God has sent his word. We believe that it is not a man's word. It is thus saith the Lord. And if we believe that, then we believe that is the same that came out from God in the very, very beginning as far as our understanding is that God began to pour out of himself and continues to pour out of himself even to this day and the anointing which we have received, which is actually the living word of God, that is the anointing. The anointing is not a feeling or a sensation. The anointing is this word of God made alive in its generation, in its season. 
We have received that. We have received the anointing, which was the Logos, which was the initial outpouring of God, which was the Son of God. We have received that. We've received the Son. We've received the anointing. We've received the Logos for this day. And I can prove to you by the scripture that this day it was sent as the coming. So he said, therefore, the Bible is a revelation of God's mystery. And then he makes this statement. He wanted to achieve his one purpose. Let me read it. The entire Bible is an expression of one goal. The entire Bible, I'm going to go slowly. The entire Bible, he said, is an expression of one goal that God had, one purpose he wanted to achieve in the entire Bible and all the acts and conjunction all the acts of the believers in the Bible has been in type and expressing what God's great goal is and God's great goal I I also stress to you and want to do it so again his great goal And the great mystery that he's always held in his mind, the apex of that mystery is when he descends down into man's sphere in his personal presence and makes himself personally acquainted. That is the supreme apex of God's mystery. And because it's a mystery, he can do it, and the multitudes don't know it. Even most don't know it. And we may know it in part. But I want to shake your thinking today. And perhaps say some things that may raise more questions. Which will be fine. But I want you to ponder them. So all the acts of the believers in the Bible. Do you believe you're in the Bible? So it includes you. All the acts of the believers in the Bible has been in type and expressing what God's great goal is. Then he asked the question, now why didn't he keep Adam and Eve like that? Why didn't he just keep Adam and Eve? In Adam and Eve, he could say that he's a father. In Adam and Eve, he could say, I have a son and his bride. In Adam and Eve, in Adam, I don't know if you've ever thought of this, but Adam had pure blood. If God just needed pure blood on the cross, Adam had pure blood. It wasn't contaminated. Why didn't he leave and just keep Adam and Eve like that? I've never heard of a minister any place, or I've never heard of anything that even asked that kind of a question. It's a very, very... uh, thought-provoking question. Why didn't he leave them like that? And it is also his answer. He answers it because the answer is so marvelous because it includes us. He said then he would never have been able to express his fullness or his full attribute. Because even though Adam and Eve were perfect within their own units, they could not express what God had within him, which only you can express. 
and there's a uniqueness about yourself in spite of you or what you think about yourself or in spite of what your frailties might be. There's a uniqueness in your existence that only can, only you can express Him. That's where it gets real tight. You have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you're not going to get much out of the rest of the service. You've been sent here to express the word for this moment. And the word for this moment has to do with his coming. Hallelujah. He would never have been able. He said he could have been a father there. That is true. Because he had Adam and Eve. He could have been a father there. But also he's a savior. And in that state there was nothing to save. So that attribute was thrusting out. It must be manifested. This is where you have to really understand God. So something had to fall. The children had to sin. The children had to disbelieve. God didn't make them do it. But he created the circumstances so they could do it. And she did fall. And Adam did walk away. She was deceived. He was not. Is that what Apostle Paul said? Are you following me thus far? And so you say, how do, they, how do you know he was? He said, as, as a savior, he is because he said, I have the experience. So when he says that I have the experience, that simply means that what God intended in the fall and becoming a savior here's a man who's experienced it so now the attribute has been appreciated her has been received how many have been saved we are the beneficiaries of that attribute and god god within himself there was a thrust there was a force there was a power an outpouring i must be a savior not only a father but i must be a savior and the fallen had to become ill, had to become sick, had to have frailties and come under the curse. It had to happen so that he could be a healer. It had to be bound so he could be a deliverer. It had to go into darkness so he could be the light that would come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Had to be confused so he could come and be the answer. That was all in him. It must be manifested. It had to be. Had to be at times of distress so he could be the peacemaker. Oh, hallelujah. I feel like stopping for a moment and worshiping him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He's done that for me. He's done that for you. He's come and manifested his attribute as the Savior, as the healer. He's healed you. He's healed you. And he's still a healer. None of those attributes have diminished. You'll not find the word subtract in the Bible, but you'll find the word add. And you'll find the word multiply, but you'll never find the word subtract. God, you can't take anything from God. You can add, you can add, you can multiply. Hallelujah. And all of this has happened. That he might live in his people. He went on to say, he had the experience, he's a savior. He had to express that. And how could he do it? Only through Christ. Notice, only through Christ. That which went out from him, only through Christ, he could be a healer. So it went on down 
So he could be a savior, he could be a healer, only through Christ. How could he be a son? Only through Christ. That is why it is not Jesus. It is the Lord Jesus Christ. That is his full title. Only through Christ. How could he be a healer? Only through Christ. And all things wound up, he said, in the person, Jesus Christ. Now, why didn't he keep Adam and Eve like that? I go on. Why didn't he just keep Adam and Eve like that? He'd have never been able to express his fullness. He would have never been able to express his full attribute. And so today, we are participants in God's great mystery. Now, I want you to put that down. I want you to remember that. I am a participant in the great mystery. The great mystery of God. We're not just rambling across the face of the earth in just a lot of... uh, irrelevant you know our lives are not irrelevant but people that just live for this life that's why I say to you don't get caught up with just what's happening here this life is irrelevant unless you know I'm here as an expression of the attribute of almighty God it'll be a mystery it might even be a mystery to me but that's why I'm here I keep my focus on that amen And so today we are participants of the great mystery. We are expressing the coming of Jesus Christ. Why are we expressing the coming? Because this happens to be that season. First, here was his three purposes. First and foremost, to express himself completely. God in Christ. Second, to have the preeminence in this in his church which is his body bride and thirdly to restore the kingdom to its rightly position that fell by sin those are the three that brother Branham deals with in Christ the mystery God revealed I'd like you to notice please to express the preeminence to restore all all of these are achieved through the anointing that went out from God How could he, in the first place, how could he express himself? Only through Christ. How, when I say Christ, I don't want you to think just of the person of Jesus Christ. Because it went on from there. Jesus said himself, I'm going to leave you. But yet I won't leave you, I will come to you. And he came in spirit form. So that he could continue on this work of what? Expressing the Uninvisible God. I'm trying to hold myself back a wee bit so you can just keep yourself alert and pray if you would please. So this is all achieved through the anointing that went out from God. It can only take place through Christ. And when I say Christ, I want you to think of that which came out from God in the beginning. The anointing, the Logos, the light, the sun. Of God, all of that that came out, that's what's present here. If we lose that, if somehow we disconnect that, you can never, never align yourself with God's program. Brother Branham said that's what he was trying to and would achieve. Hallelujah. He is achieving it. 
That's why I'm preaching today. We're going to take a step forward in achieving that goal. Hallelujah. And if it can be a self-revelation to you, a revelation of what God's plan in your life is, then that will be a marvelous first step. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And let others say, don't worry about others so much. Let's just worry about step number one. I want to have a, I want to have an understanding of what God's program in my life is. Because once that gets in place and gets in order and keeps in alignment, not saying that you haven't had that or you haven't experienced that, but we want to take a further step. Hallelujah. And in taking a further step, there'll be a lot of things that, you know, that get disorganized as we go through a week of life. Things become priorities that are not priorities. Things become important that really are not important. Things occupy our minds and stress us out that aren't worth it. They aren't worth it. Not worth it, friends. Not worth it. We get all rattled about things. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. It's not the focus of God. That's why we're here to get refocused. That's why we're here to get things reorganized. And this is, and I would suggest to you, we need to get ourselves aligned with what God's focus is. God's focus is this force, this anointing that went out, this anointing, this sun that went out. This is what is important. And it went out into the people. And now you have to say, I've been a recipient of that so I can be a participant. I've received it. Hallelujah. I've received the word. I received what God sent. Amen. So God's desire for expression is without bounds. Some of these phrases which I'm giving to you have come from deep within. God's desire... For expression is without bounds. To put it in plain English, God will allow something to take place that you and I would write off as hopeless. And yet God will use it and index it around and use it for his glory. If we sat beside Apostle Paul and heard him say, I was a blasphemer. What? If I said to you today, I was a blasphemer. I was a druggard. I was a drunkard. I was an adulterer. You'd probably go out of these doors saying, I don't quite have the same confidence that I did have. And Brother Biscoll, that's because you're human. And we take it through a human filter. And you need to take it through a special filter, a supernatural filter. God is boundless in his love. He's boundless in his forgiveness. He's absolutely boundless in his ability to redeem. He's boundless in the force from within to express himself. And if he has to let someone go to the very depths so that he can show his mercy, his power to redeem, 
If you can let someone not only become darkened within, but let them become to such a hopeless that they're nothing but the dregs of humanity, and he picks them up and sets them in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Oh, the grace that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the love that brought it down to man. How? Only through Christ. Only through Calvary. Only through thus saith the Lord. So we want to look at a few. God's desire for expression. The image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, the scripture says. For by, by, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in the earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or domains or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And the Bible tells us that the Old Testament is a, a figure. In Hebrews it says, which was a figure of the time then present. It was only a figure. And the, the meaning of the word figure is from the word we also understand as parable. Our word parable comes from that Greek word. And it's the placing of one thing beside another so you can compare it. So now today we take our lives, this scenario, where you are, what you're experiencing, and we read in the scripture in the Old Testament, we read about Moses or we read about how God dealt with Samuel, how God dealt with David, and you bring them up and you compare them like as a parable. And one is an example or an example of this one. We can see what God honored here. And Brother Branham said, if you want to know what God will honor today, go back and see what he honored. If he ever honored faith back there, he has to honor it today. So you bring them into alignment and one compares with the other. So that is the parable. And then Apostle Paul speaks about it. All these things happened in the scripture as an ensamples that... They And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. So the central theme of the whole scripture is our redemption and restoration. And of all things, to bring all things back to its original condition. When the earth once again will be restored back to its Eden beauty. And so the scripture which we've read over the last three weeks or more, to wit that God, God was in Christ. And Christ is the anointing. So if you say, I have received the anointing, this is astounding, friends. That's to say, I've received God. I have God. I'm only limited by the word that God has spoken about me. But I have God in me. I have the creator in me. I have holiness in me. The world tries to afflict me and the world and Satan and he'll use everything. He'll use my job. He'll use my education. He'll use my friends. He'll use my peers. He uses all of these things, the influences of the world. But nevertheless, one thing is established. God in his great driving force to have an expression on the earth. I am in agreement with the word. I am that expression. 
to express Him in this place, wherever you find yourself. That is my calling on earth. That's why I was born. We have wonderful parents. A wonderful mother I just spoke of earlier that has gone on and many of you children, several of your children are here. The children that issued forth from Sister Minna Dick. We all have a mother. That's how we came. You have a mother. In one sense of the word, I'd like to give great honor and respect to that. But just for a moment and for the purpose of this service and to put things in perspective, who your mother and father are are rather irrelevant. They simply, what is relevant is that God brought you here. That's what's relevant. When you get those things in perspective, God brought me here. Father, you brought me here. What, what did you send me here for? What am I to do? What is my purpose in life? And how would you like me to express it? I have been brought here to be an expression of your word for this hour. Show me what that word is. And I will give myself to the expression of that word. Show me what your call is. Let me hear your voice. And you'll hear me answer, send me. These are deep things I'm speaking. The subject. We are the expression of his coming. I hope I'm not misunderstood. I have questioned. I've had deep questions about the concepts and beliefs that many believers and especially what Christianity holds regarding the second coming of Jesus Christ. The Jews missed completely the first coming and even today are still looking for their Messiah and they have gross misconceptions of that coming so this this is something that you need to think about God's elected people God's elected nation who he brought forth from Abraham, the father of the faith, and he brought them through wars. He gave them a land. He brought them through bondages. They went into Egypt. They went into Babylon. They've had an incredible journey through life. In in, in our time, they almost became extinct through a holocaust. And they've had an incredible history. And yet today, they missed the first coming. And now, now expecting a, a Messiah. And they have religious orders by the score within the country. And the, and beliefs by a myriad of beliefs of who the Messiah is, how he's going to come and everything else it will only be by a divine intervention of God that anyone will see it and if you talk about Christians oh the Lord is coming in power and great glory that's exactly what he said with the angels and, and, and what does that mean are there angels coming down 
out of the heavens? Is there clouds that's going to come? Is there what's going to happen? You're very silent. And I expect you to be. Because when it gets right down to where the rubber hits the road and for people to actually describe how it's going to happen, we get kind of confused. And we say the Messiah, the Messiah came, Christ came, the fullness of the Godhead bodily came. And the elect of God couldn't recognize him. God, in his fullness, in his unrestricted power, raising the dead, healing the sick, miracle after miracle, achieved in front of the eyes of the people. I can tell you, what you see with your eyes won't save you. And what you hear with these ears won't give you revelation. You need to pray, oh God, who sent me here, God who gave me birth, God who gave me life, give me the Holy Spirit. And the Pentecostal will say, here you speak in an unknown tongue, say, you got it, you got it, but they didn't have it. And there's evidence they don't have it. And others say, well, if you shake, and even within this message, if you fall forward or fall backward or whatever more, that's nonsense. Hear me, I say in the name of the Lord, nonsense. It's not a feeling, not a thrill, not a something up your back or anything else. It's not because you cried, not because you shed tears. It's because your life was changed. It's not even because you stopped drinking, you stopped drugs, you stopped. Those are the attributes of unbelief. It's that you have the power now to believe the word of God. And that word in you, that faith in you, in the word, begin to transform you into a new creature in Christ Jesus. And all things pass away. I'm coming on to another message already. And all things become new. You're not the person you used to be. If you got a temper back then and you're in the message and you still have a temper, let me tell you what your messenger said. Death changes nothing. Furthermore, he said, what you are here, you will be there. And I'll say what you are here, you will be there in an intensified form. If you've got evil and dark things here, it will be intensified there. If you love holiness, you love the saints. People say, oh, I'm a believer, etc., You young men, you want to make sure you have the right kind of friends, the right kind of fellowship. I wouldn't hang around with those that love the world and the things of the world. Remember, death changes nothing. If you love that here, you're going to love the same thing on the other side. Remember now the people of God, the elect of God, the children of God in the Old Testament. They had, they had the manna, they had things, but they wanted flesh. Oh, we want flesh. We're tired of this manna. We're tired of this kind of preaching. We want something that'll thrill us. Something that'll do something special for our flesh. God began to give them flesh. Till it was just hanging out of their mouth and out of their... 
they, he sent them quail. And they ate flesh. Till they were so tired of this flesh. Said, no, we don't want this. I tell you what, friends. People who love the ways of sin and darkness are going to go to a place of sin and darkness. And it's going to be more like the quail. They're going to say, oh, I'm so fed up. I'm so full of this. But the prophet said, they're caught and trapped in a nightmare. They can't come back to this life because their time is spent up. And they can't go into the presence of God because they pierced when they died. They pierced the blood veil. Where Jesus, when he died for the sins of the world, while you're in this world, the sin is a, the blood is atoning for your sin. But listen to me, my brother, my sister, my young, faithful young person. When you pass that veil, there is no more blood for you. People actually go to hell. I know all the preachers put people in heaven. and uh, Don't be fooled by that. They're not in heaven. They go to hell. And the prophet describes hell. You go to a place that's beyond, beyond redemption. You go to a place you pierce the veil of the blood. The blood at this moment is a circle that's around the earth. Let me just give you something. Sometimes I think of, oh, some kind of poetic pictorial thing. It's not that. Let me get you down to reality. The prophet of God said that this word is a bleeding word. It also is a letter that killeth. So now we have both sides of it. It's a letter that killeth. You can just have it preached. You can have just a whole bunch of uh, legal terms to stay and to live by. But that will just kill. That doesn't bring life. But the word in its season, the Holy Spirit comes to that word in its season. That's why it's the word and the spirit. Out of God came word and spirit. So you can't have just word alone. You must have word and spirit. And the spirit will only come not to history. Not to some future pie in the sky. The word comes to the word for its season. And the word that has been sent now has been sent through the mouth of the spirit of Elijah. Malachi 4 has been fulfilled and now is in the past. Already in the past. And God has sent a message. That spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that came out of God. The word came out and the spirit came out to make that word live. And it's that word that changes a person's life. There's people that cannot believe and do not believe and discredit God's word in its season. I'm talking about hell. Brother Bram says when they pass from this life, they pass through the blood that actually circles the earth. Now, you might think I'm stretching this too far, but do you know? I know that you believe. That science has moved along with the fulfillment of scripture. I know you believe that. I'm sure that you believe that the tape recorder came on the scene to hold this prophet's voice. And the word, the word of God, I will say the thus saith the Lord is the bleeding word. 
To receive, thus saith the Lord, is to receive the sacrifice. You might think of Calvary, you might believe of Christ on the cross, you might go to the movie and see the Passion, which that won't give you the picture whatsoever. I have not seen it, and I, I, do I intend to see it? That's not it. If I don't get the story from the Scripture, I don't have anything else move me. It doesn't matter how much my emotions get moved, that has nothing to do with it. It's how much I get moved by the Word of God. And so it's a bleeding word. That is the sacrifice. Listen close. This is the first time in the history of man since Adam. While almost all of you in this building lived, there's the first time that the word spoken by God's servant can be sent actually into space into a dimension that God created to hold our voices and encircle the entire globe I say it's a banner a ribbon of blood that God in the last day before he brings a world to judgment he will give them a warning And the warning will not only be by spoken word, but also scientifically vindicated that that is what's happening in that word. And I'm thankful to be a little part of that. I'm thankful this church can be a part of it. I'm thankful the bride of Jesus Christ can be a part of that. She is interested. She's a helpmeet to her husband. Her husband gave the word and she sends it out. Hallelujah, by voice, by preaching, by any technology, by anything that comes into our hand. And as of today, you're sending it around the world. Thus saith the Lord, a bleeding word. And he says, when you pass that ribbon, let me tell every person here that will die, because some I trust will not die. Every person that dies is going to do one of two things. You're going to pierce that ribbon of blood and stand in front of God with no more time to live on earth and stand there without a blood to atone for you. He enlarges on that by saying, and you are locked into a nightmare. That you cannot come out of. You're not going to wake up. Out of this nightmare. My soul is heavy. Because I know that I'm speaking. To those here. That are not prepared to go. And somehow your life was called to cease at this time. You would pierce the blood veil and stand before God without any time left on this earth say how how old are they when they're called Silas was 21 I've held him in my arms that have been five weeks innocent went into the presence of God They've gone at young ages. You don't have to be old to pass. 
32. My mother was 32. Serious indeed. And you're going to stand before God. And you want to, don't leave this service until you've asked your question, am I prepared for that moment? Because it's a fallacy. It's a fallacy of religion today to say, oh, well, you know, it, it, it will be better. No, no, no. We'll come back to the prophet. It will be what it is. It will be what it is. Oh, that might be a, a, an awakening. Oh, God, I, I can't go the way I am, even though I'm a professor. I, I read the message. I believe it. I, I come here to church. That has nothing to do with it. What kind of a life do you have? Where are you at with God? You are today. And we have calls and people needing so much counseling and marital things Rearing our children things, and husband and wife things, and financial things, and business things, and education things. In the scale of what I'm speaking about, those don't even relate. Those are not even on the page. I'm talking about you your life and where you're going this is not here I'm not here to bring any condemnation there is now therefore no condemnation of them that are in 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 Christ Jesus I do not believe that those things that have plagued us You know, when I was a boy, I had a temper. I don't believe I've ever said that to the church. When I was a young boy, I had a temper. My sister's here in the church this morning, and I remember once throwing something at her in a rage. I remember picking up something, and I was going to strike her maybe when I was about just a boy, six, seven, eight. You say, oh, that's just children things. Do you know what? In my young heart, I knew that was wrong. I knew that was wrong. And when I got into my teens, it was always present with me, not the temper. It was present with me that that must not be a part of my life. That cannot be a part of my life. What is just a weakness and a problem with a boy? It only grows and intensifies when you get older. And if we have lusts of the flesh and we care for the things of the flesh, they will only intensify as they get older. And let me touch on something else here that's very striking and very, very important. I hear all kinds of complaints that come up from time to time. Well, I am the way I am because my husband is this, or I am what I am because my wife is this, or I am what I am. No, no. It's not because, it's not because of the preacher. It's not because of the church. It's not because of the deacons. It's not because of your wife. The power that God called you to be a son or a daughter of God overpowers absolutely anything. <laughs> Anything in this life. And everything else is an excuse. 
Say amen. amen. It's an excuse. The power that God brought and redeemed you is sufficient to overcome everything in this life. And it may be that God allowed something else to come your way to make you stronger, to give you more faith, to make your walk to be what it ought to be. God help me, I never intended to say I was actually saving those things for another service. This coming. Listen, church. Listen, Cloverdale Bible Way and all that may be streaming. As believers of this message, we have an indescribable responsibility to live at a level and live at a standard that's not the standard of this church. We only have one standard. It has to be the standard of the scripture. And we're not going to try to twist the scripture and and contrive it to to make it say something it doesn't say. It says what it says. And if some around you refuse to acknowledge it or refuse to obey it or refuse to and go a different direction, that's their business. And they stand before God. And people so lightly say, oh, I'll give answer to God. I'll stand before God. Make sure you want to really say that. And so this, how is Christ coming? Do I have a little bit of time? How is he coming? Well, he'll come in a way that is unexpected. The scripture says it'll be like a thief in the night because the thief in the night, nobody expected him to creep in, but he crept in. God didn't make any grand announcement to all the dignitaries of Israel when he just slipped in and was born in a crib, in an animal crib, in a manger. No one expected that. Here, here come, here, here come, now follow me closely. Here comes a, a, a messenger and the world becomes uh, startled by the supernatural aspect of it. Brother Branham stands in a certain place and is holding a child. It's not in a room. This is not in his house. This is not back behind some building. This is in front of the people. Hundreds if not thousands of them holding a child all crippled up. And a little sister from a group like the Mennonites, for example, playing the piano. The great physician now is here. The sympathizing Jesus. And this slight, small servant of God, soft-spoken, begins to pray over this child and the limbs begin to straighten out and the bones begin to snap and crack and the people scream and the girl leaps away from the piano playing the great physician now is near and the piano continues to play because the atmosphere is so sacred it can't be broken. And God is breaking something onto the scene. Now I want to speak about decisions because I'm at that point.
Brother Branham was having the meeting. Maybe a pastor decided or made a decision to have that meeting. But God, in his, please stay with me closely, God, in his great urge and thrust and driving force to bring forth Christ, now the time had come that this will not be some historical thing, people keeping Christmas and Easter and all that, and all these religions and all these denominations. Now God is going to come down and, 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 and like a knife and separate that. God now is going to take and bring and introduce Malachi 4. I'm going to introduce a forerunner at this time. This is going to be different. This is not just going to be a healing meeting. Is going to be different, and the supernatural takes place, and the people become astounded and startled and shaken, and then invitations come for more meetings and more meetings. Now, I want to bring it down home to you. Brother Branham made a decision that was a human decision to go to the Ohio River and to baptize some people. And so he's just baptizing as we would baptize. People go in dry and they come out wet. And whatever hap transpires within them, that's between them and God. But then, now get this. God is on his way to intercept with a, a, a supernatural act the human, the human event. Here's a human event. People are gathered and uh, ministers baptizing people, and this is something everybody can understand. But now a voice cries out, says, As John the Baptist foreran the first coming of Christ, so will your message forerun the second. Forerun the second. Hey, folks, things have changed. Now we have a man identified. Now we have a voice speaking. A supernatural event that has happened on earth. As John the Baptist foreran, so will your ministry forerun the second coming of Christ. Now the world ought to know at least the second coming. The event is already in motion. The forerunner's here. He's been identified by a supernatural event. Notice now, I've got some very important things to say to your life. It wasn't Brother Branham's decision to go and baptize some people that actually brought the voice. It was him doing what he would do as a minister. It was him doing what would be the normal thing of life to do. Some people asked, can you baptize us? Yes, I will baptize you the way we baptize people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was all just a normal run of events. It was a normal event. But God, because in his economy, he has obedient sons, obedient daughters. God takes a human event and interrupts it with a supernatural event. I know there's some here that have made bad decisions. So if I could just go and rewrite it. Let me tell you about a bad decision, a prodigal son. We call him prodigal. The Bible doesn't say that. But he was a son 
And he got caught up in his desires for the world. Oh, I'm going to go. If I could get my hands on my share of the estate, I'm going to go and set the world on fire. I'm going to do things. I've been here with my father and my elder brother, and, and this has been a drag, and I want to get out. I want to get free of my home. I want to get out there and do things and set the world on fire. I, I can just get my share of the estate. Father, would you please give me my inheritance? And the father gave him all of his inheritance that he had coming. For he had friends. And he went into another country. He went into a strange place. He went down, who knows where it was, into Seattle or Las Vegas or someplace. And I'm going, he made a decision. I'm going down. Am I going to live a life? Wow. Are you with me? That was his decision. And he uh, invested or wasted. Wasted is a better word. And he wasted it's a strange thing with your inheritance. It's like ether. Any of you folks know what ether is? Ether evaporates. It just goes. You have it in your bank account and... Wow! I had a few thousand dollars there. I better get off that subject. But it's like ether. Believe me, it's like ether. You get some money in your hand, you get some money in your bank account, it's like ether. And it just goes, it just takes wings and flies. And he found he had nothing. And he's eating from the dregs of the swine where he was feeding. That was his decision. It was a series of decisions. It was a bad decision. Many bad decisions. Then one day... He came to himself. He had lots of time to come to himself. He thought about this a lot of time. But now he came to himself. And in coming to himself, that was God's supernatural intervention in his event. His event was the result of his bad decisions. You may be where you are today and said, Oh, I could just go back and redo this or undo that or do something else. I'll tell you two things. Number one, you can't do that, but don't do it again. You can't change the past, but you can change the future by allowing Him to interrupt. Let me tell you something else. You may be somebody you're praying for, and they've made some bad decisions, but God can interrupt them. God can bring them back to their senses. God can cause them, cause them to come to themselves. And that was a supernatural event in a very natural environment. And He came to Himself. And he really could think right for the first time. I will go back to my father. He began to think things. There's many servants of my father better off than I am. I'm going to go back to my father. That was a supernatural event. His mind became illuminated. And he returned to his father. And become part of the scripture. Become part of the word. Remember this please. A bad decision will not prevent the sovereign grace of God from bringing a son or daughter to himself. 
Neither will a right decision necessarily cause the supernatural event. The supernatural interruption of God. It's not because we do, we do a whole lot of nice things that God says, Oh, you know, now I'm going to do it. No, it's His grace. It is His so- sovereign grace. So what is the benefit of a good decision over a bad decision? A bad decision, lost years, lost fellowship, wounds, bounds, all kinds of fetters, physical Emotional scars, all kinds of things. That is through bad decisions. But a good decision, neither does a good decision. All a good decision does is prevents a lot of that. You that are young people have been brought up in the message. What a, what a privilege you have. So you're not all tangled up with the things of the world. And, and I would keep a series of good decisions. Amen. Can I have just a few more minutes, please? Now, because I was speaking on the expression of the coming of Christ, and what should be our decision? What should be your decision this morning? Well, maybe I'll say a couple more things that will help you. Because these things, I think, are really striking. And I know that I've said some things that are perhaps a little bit startling to you. You know, when Brother Branham talks about the coming of Christ, and Jesus said it, come as a thief in the night and so on. And I related Brother Branham's decision to baptize and then the supernatural intervention. Now what? Now where do we go from here? You know, when, when a prophet preaches souls that are in prison, it, it is frightening. There are times it's frightening. He said that they were preached to souls that were in prison. It was already too late. I have to tell you what's on my heart. In many cases, I believe we're already there. Brother Bram says, door in a door. Listen now, is Malachi 4 speaking? It's not Ed Biscoll. What if today the rapture came and he took two from Tucson, one from Phoenix, and around the world as a universal rapture will be, and the ones that rises from the dead will go to meet him in the air? Those that rise from the dead, outside of the sovereign grace of God, you won't know anything about that. Only if God allowed you to meet one that had risen from the dead. We will go and we'll be gathered with them and meet the Lord in the air, the scripture says. But he says this, you meet him in the air and steal away. A mysterious thing. And then one of these days, judgment drops upon the earth. And you say, do you hear what I'm saying? Judgment will drop upon the earth and there will be very religious people. And I will say people who profess to follow this message. And they will say, he's telling you in advance what they will say. And this is what they will say. Well, 
wasn't there supposed to be a rapture first? And you knew it not. Think how many people will disappear in the world today and there won't even be a word. You'll know nothing about it. There'll be 500 people in the world today will come up missing and you won't know nothing about it. We're living in a terrific time. Now, the religious world has made you to think there's going to be thunders and thunderous and lightning and flashes and clouds and great power and glory and the Lord's going to descend. I say that's a fallacy. It's going to happen, but it's not going to happen. What we've done is taken the scripture and we put our interpretation to it. And we're making the, the Gentiles have made exactly the same error that the Jews made and they've missed him. And the Gentiles have had their religious concepts and have missed him. And remember, now remember I'm coming to the crux of my message. I've been preaching for an hour and a half. And I'm really at the crux of it. Now this is where I should start. But you needed this. When Jesus said to Peter and the disciples, Who do you say I am? It wasn't just that they were identifying Jesus Christ, but in the concept and, and in the context of my message today, what they were really saying is, we believe you've come. We believe you're actually here. We believe the Messiah has arrived. The reason why the prophet of God went over that and over that and over that and said to the church and said to the people, who do you say this is? He wanted them to wake up to know that this was Christ here now. Not somebody coming, somebody who had arrived. It's not me, it's him, he said. It's him, it's not me, it's him. And now God has a messenger in the physical body of flesh to introduce one who's beyond the veil, just an eyesight, just out of your eyesight, just out of the touch of these uh, natural uh, 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 physical senses. But he was present. And then the spirit of that word came into the disciples. And that is why Jesus said, don't go preaching, go to Jerusalem. And I talk about the decision that 120 made and the decision that 380 made. Because he was seen of above 500 brethren and 120 got to where Christ told him to go and 380 didn't arrive. So they made a decision to go and they're sitting there a day, 120. Do you know what's amazing about that? 120 get, went there day one. There's still 120. Day two, still 120. Day four, day five, still 120. Oh, I thank God there are people who weren't prepared to go their own way or do anything different. And, and finally, day 10, still 120. I trust that's the kind of people we got here today. Still 120. I'm still here. Hallelujah. I'm still here. I'm still energized by this word. I'm still here. 
I've come through difficult times. They didn't talk about their finances. They didn't talk about all that nonsense. They were still there waiting. For him who had been here, Christ, and that God was going to send now the Spirit to give life to his words. That was the Logos that was speaking. And now they needed to receive the Spirit internally. So they could internalize his words. And receive the power they needed to continue the expression of God through Christ. And now their message had changed. This Christ. Who you saw. And who you heard. Did God send. And he was proven by many, many supernatural things. And you with wicked hands have taken and crucified him. And now their message was, he was promised, he came, and you missed it. And while you wait for a rapture, friends, you're going to find yourself actually on the other side. You're not going to have any anticipation. I don't believe you'll have any anticipation. It's just a faith you hold in your heart. You're just going to believe it. And one day, he said, death doesn't change anything. I say the rapture doesn't change, doesn't change anything except the change of your body. And you're going to find yourself on the other side. Say, my goodness, I took one step and now look where I'm at. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm beyond death. It's gone. There's no memory of it. It's gone. We're in a new life. Because we believe the word. And maybe some sitting right in this congregation this morning are going to be in the other part of the prophet's words, going to say, wow, wasn't there supposed to be a rapture first? He said, look at the things that's happening. You know, when I see the judgments already falling, sometimes I sit on a plane. I looked at a newspaper. And I think to myself, looks like the tribulation's already set in. What am I doing here? What am I doing here? Friends, precious friends, don't be caught in such a place after I'm preaching my heart out. Don't let these things in this world prevent you, hinder you, thwart your direction, keep your focus, keep your direction, and let everything else fall where it may, but keep your eyes upon the goal, his achievement. And so what are we doing here today? That's why this church is not like other churches. Friends, I'm really speaking from my heart, and I'm probably going to be understood it's not your long skirt, sisters. And it's not your long hair. There may be some that see that. Many see that. And it just has a big zero effect. You're an odd bunch. Oh, that church on the hill. Or whatever more. Oh, yeah, we got a bunch of them in Linden. Oh, that's fine. But your life... Your manner. You are 
different by the transforming power. You're actually different. It's difference in your appearance. It's difference. There's a difference. And you know what it is? There's an aura around you. You young people, you children, you families, you're different. Not just because you dress different or look different, but there's an aura of power. There's an aura of holiness. There's an aura. There's something around you, and people recognize it. They know it. They know it. It's not me telling you that. I don't need to pump you up. You either got it or you haven't got it. Brother Joe Perkins, excuse me for making a personal reference. Brother Joe Perkins is a believer. And so I only use him as an example. Yesterday, now we're having a, a wonderful time of fellowship. It's not like a religious service. And my wife had noticed Brother Perkins standing by himself over on the, on the deck out at the camp. Just standing there alone. I don't know what was in his mind or in his thoughts. And my daughter, Linda, wanted to say something to her mother. My mother, my, my, Linda's mother, my wife, is not real stable on her feet with a little, uh, I won't say disability, but she's just not as stable as she would like to be. So Linda walked over and she wanted to say something to her. She walked over and took her hand and she came up on the deck and they just started in their conversation together as mother and daughter. And Brother Perkins, this spoke to my wife. You walked over, said, excuse me, I don't know what you're talking about. Excuse me for interrupting. But he said, just the way that you did that, and you reach out, daughter to mother, and received her up and helped her. He said, that was just such a display of respect. It so spoke to him. Brother Perkins, excuse me for making this personal reference. As a believer, you know, you expect that believers might pick up on that. But you know there are people in the world, and they notice these little insignificant things just how you responded how you answered how you didn't respond when the world would have responded what it was you said and they're seeing something different there's good people I'm not talking about good people now there's very good people in the world I'm talking about people that have been shaped Watch now, I'm closing. People have actually been formed by a word. It didn't come from William Branham. It, he was only a mouthpiece. But it actually came from the outpouring of God, the force of God through a vessel out into the sound waves 
and into the ears of people and it begin to shape and transform their life till they can say, I'm not what I used to be. I'm not the person I used to be. Not because the church said, don't smoke, don't drink, don't take drugs. It had nothing to do with that. It's an internal work of the Holy Spirit. Somebody might be here today and said, well, I decided to come to church. But you know what? It might well be that God is using this vessel to interrupt your event with a supernatural act and tell you, now is your moment. Now is your time. It may be not because, not because you're at a, a swine a trough. It may be while you're sitting in this seat that God says and awakens you. So you can get your right thinking, your right thought. I'm going to stop in a few minutes, but I can't stop yet. There are the things that have been little irritants. And they're more than little irritants, they're big irritants. I'm going to speak about how your home is conducted. How you as mothers watch over your home and conduct your home. And you as husbands, as providers spiritual men in the church in your home as priests I'm going to say that if there's a relationship husband-wife relationship in this world at the very best of times it's not easy but I will tell you on the authority of God's word there's power in this spoken word to make a marriage what it ought to be to make a home what it ought to be Not saying that disappointments won't come. Not saying that there won't be. Satan come roaring in like a lion and tear, a, tear at a home or a family. But the one that has their sight and their goal fixed on Christ, that, that person cannot be defeated. Under any circumstances cannot be defeated. It's of a critical importance today that a husband... Set the example and have the leadership in his home and spiritual leadership, not by word, but by example. To live the life that the children can adore and live the life. The child might go sideways, but they can look back and say, dad did it right. Mother did it right. They gave an example and God will hold that before them. And they will have the enlightenment. Look at when the young man's life at the, at the swine pit. When he came to himself. What did he think about? What did he think about? How his father treated his servants. He didn't think about, oh, the good time I can have at home and my dad and the kind of person he is and my mom and what she does for me and washes my clothes and here I am in this pit. That's not the point. If you return because of that, the church is nice. There's a girl there I like. There's a boy there I like. That's nonsense. Let God guide your life. And the Father... Be the provider and take his place in the home. And a mother take her place in the home and be a mother. Let me say this to you. There are parameters for a husband and parameters for the wife. 
And where a lot of the trouble comes is when the wife or the husband began to cross over and actually invade the parameters, the responsibilities of the other. And that's what we don't want to do. And what is our life expressing? I want to say to you as a congregation as I close now, and to those that are streaming, you are an expression of the coming of Christ. And when the spirit of the word that came from the mouth of Jesus Christ came into the disciples, they had to express before the world, he has already come, he's already left, and we happen to be here to tell you you missed him. Don't add to my words. But I will say this. We are an expression. I don't know how many more God will bring. Do you know that in the days of Wesley, he would stand on a chair and have about 20,000 people and preach the simple gospel. I have Wesley's messages in my volumes. And there would be thousands that would come to Christ. And today you can exert. You can lay before God. You can exert every energy. The people can pray. And we do everything possible. And you can exert all of this energy. And sometimes one or two will come. That's true, friends. It's not easier. It's harder. And there will be a time, I've said it before, I'll say it one more time. There will be a time when every sermon that's been preached by every member of the bride of Jesus Christ, every life that's been lived, every witness that's been given, every dollar that's been spent will be spent for one soul called the last one. And the prophet said, there will be the last one. And when the last one comes in, we're out of here. We're history. You might be here this morning. That's just where we're at. And we are not the expression of a church. We are not the expression. That's why we don't act as a church. People, people come to us all the time from the world and around and say, Well, you're a nice church and this. We want to be part of the school. We want to be part of this. We want to be part of that. We shut it down. That's not our call. Our call is to express a message that has come from God and it will be internalized in the people and your children will be growing up with it. It will change and transform your life as you live your life through and you will express the word for the season because you cannot express anything else. And the word for the season is Malachi 4 has already happened. Luke 17.30 has already been manifested and revealed to some and not revealed to a lot of other people. And some have received the word but have not allowed it yet first place in their life. And you need to do that. And you're sitting here today. You're believers here today. And you need to let that have first place in your life. And you need to realize your call in this generation is to be an expression of his coming. I'm expressing that he came. What happens now, Brother Biscoe? Well, I can tell you what's going to happen, but I can't tell you how it's going to happen. There's going to be some folks not going to be found around.
And as of this morning, there's probably young people and married couples that might be missing family members. That's God's word. They're simply going to be gone. He says, I'll take them. And the other scripture says, and they'll be left. And that's what I leave you with this morning. Cloverdale Bible Way, as believers, that is why we have no interest in the world. Say, well, this church is doing that, and this church allows that, and this church... I'm not even interested. And when you people sometimes give me a call and say, well, I need this, I need that, I need you to call me right away, and I don't call right away because I have another priority that much supersedes your perceived big problem, which in my estimation is rather a little problem. I asked Brother Dioka a few days ago, Brother Dioka, you have thousands of people. We try to answer all of our people's requests and call, and Brother Tom and other ministers, Brother John, and we try to answer their requests. We try to meet, I try to answer all my emails. I answered one first thing this morning before finishing the little message because a brother had asked me. It was a false doctrine. He asked me, do you believe that? No, I said. Somebody from the eastern Canada is teaching this. I said, Brother Branham never said it. The scripture never said it. I have never said it. I have never believed it. He wanted to know, do you have that revelation? No, I have that. And it's not a revelation. It's a human thought. The prophet never spoke, never once. The Bible never says it once. I have never seen it anywhere. And I'm not prepared to take somebody's concoction. But we've tried to answer everybody. I said to Brother Dioka, how do you handle this? Well, he said, I tell them to go home and pray. Praise God. I said to Brother Tom, I got a wonderful answer from Brother Dioka. When people come with all kinds of financial problems and marital problems and everything else and all these kind of problems... He tells them to go home first and pray. Go to the prayer meeting and pray. And that's what I say to the congregation. That's what we need to do so we can have our priorities right. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Expression of the coming, second coming of Jesus Christ. And you might go home a little nervous today. Say, where are we? I wouldn't worry about it. Just as long as you've been able to identify. Let me ask every, every single person, answer yourself. Who do you say this is? Well, it's a sermon. It's a nice man. It's a good church. That's what Brother Bram says all the denominational said. That's what they said, Brother Ernie. It's a good church. He was a good teacher. He's a nice man. Brother Biscoe's a nice fellow. You don't take everything he says, but, he, you know, and the people there, they're nice people, etc., etc. You're, you're just denominational. That's where you're at. You're just a denomination. But who do you say this word is? Well, you know, there's, there's, I've heard some powerful messages come out of the, out of the message, and, and it sits on my shelf, etc., etc. Who do you say it is? Oh, I have Christ on my shelf gathering dust. I have Christ expressed himself on disc.
I never hear it. Excuse me. Something don't add up. Something don't add up. As of this moment, you're lost. As of this moment, you're still lost. You haven't come into a relationship. I don't care what your mother and father, they might be the best members of this church. That's why you're plagued with the world. That's why you have trouble with the world, because you haven't had a birth yet. There's young people in this congregation, and they gather at the young people's meeting, and I, I have gone in and seen them. And the thing that really, really gets a hold of my heart is I know some of them aren't born again yet. But they're carried along with the association and the fellowship and the friendship, and they go outside and have just a wonderful time. But as of this moment, they're still lost. What does that do to a person when you preach your heart and soul out? They need to at least, at least give themselves and let, let this transforming power change them. Let's bow our heads together. Almighty God, who chose and spoke and called Abraham and told him to leave his kindred, to leave his family, and to go into a far country. God that spoke to Moses when he was in the wilderness after failing his decision to settle an argument and to settle some strife, his decision to slay a man. And now he's wandering as a shepherd, as a, just a servant, appearing as a failure. He couldn't go back and rewrite it, and neither did you want him to, but you interrupted and intervened in the midst of his event, in the midst of his work and labor as a shepherd. And his life was changed forever. As your messenger said, what he lacked, the pillar of fire had. Lord, what the people lack, what I lack, what any of us here lack, is, is right present with us, the pillar of fire, which delivered this message to us. The pillar of fire delivered a message to us. Out of the pillar of fire spoke a voice. We have received the message that is forerun, the second coming of Jesus Christ. And we're somewhere in that process. We're somewhere in that sequence. And oh God, it is a, it's a very, very treacherous place. Because the enemy would like to come in and say, oh, it's way off in the future, etc. You have time to do this. You have time to go and enjoy yourself and have time to make mistakes. Oh, God, and not realizing all the time that what we are here, we're going to be beyond the veil. So we want to set our course. We want, oh God, we want you to intervene. I want, and I'm asking that you will intervene and interrupt this service, Lord. I've come here and preached, oh God, what I felt you had delivered and brought to me on my heart. And now I've delivered it to the people. 
And there are some that are sitting here, Lord, they need earnestly, they need desperately, they need this moment, they don't need to allow this moment to leave here. They need, oh God, to capture this moment at this time. And I pray, Father, that you will not permit them to postpone it, to procrastinate, and to set it off for another time. Oh, come, Holy Spirit, I pray, take the words that have been spoken and brand them upon the hearts and the minds of the needy, especially the needy. And may we, oh God, that have been called to this hour for this purpose, to be an expression of your coming, may we never forget that phrase. May we live honorably according to it. In the name of Jesus Christ, in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Oh God, oh God, I'm going to give some time for this word to soak in and furthermore to let the Holy Spirit confirm the word with signs following. I feel it would be improper for me to close the service. There may be mothers and fathers. There may be others here that you say, I, I'm not where I ought to be at all. And in the light of the word, I, can, I want to confess the Holy Spirit has spoken very precisely to my heart and my soul. I want to stand as a testimony that I am responding to that. I want to perhaps sing the song. Who, who is that knocking? if I can have Brother Marco would you just take that uh, take it over to my wife I will need some help I want to say who's that knocking who's that calling for me to come I don't know all the words exactly Brother Rod do you know that chorus
again maybe some here that are have never received Christ or you're living in a place where you know that you need him now and you'd like to just step forward here and I'm going to pray and if you have confidence in my prayer not me I just pray God will hear me and God will hear your heart and God will respond I know that he will I'm sure that he will If you want to join me here at the platform, that will be fine too. And then we're going to pray together. Who is that knocking, calling, seeking? Who is that troubling my soul? Surely. It's Jesus. It's Jesus, friends. It's Christ. It's Christ. Let's just move into that atmosphere. Let's sing that first verse again, please, dear. Who is that calling? Who is it? For me to come. Who do you say this is? Come and be saved from sin. Who is that seeking for my poor heart? Wanting to make me. That's what he wants to do is make us whole, whole. that I hear who, who is, is that, that troubling, troubling my soul oh who's troubling my soul just now oh surely, surely it's Jesus, Jesus asking pleading wanting, wanting to make 
bow and pray with me I want you to say within your heart I'm praying that I shall enter into an era of transformation in my life I shall not be the person that I have been I will allow the word first place in my life don't look to the failings don't look to the weakness Look to the solution. Look to the resource. Look to him who's speaking. Look to him who's troubling. Your heart just now. Look to him who's stirring. Stirring. Why would he be stirring? Because he's here. He's here to do more than you can even ask or think for. Think of. Oh, lovely Lord Jesus. Lovely Lord Jesus. Give us a comprehension. Give us an enlightenment. Help us to see, Father, in truth who it is that is here. Help us to see, O God, and to acknowledge what you have spoken, that the angels of God are actually here to energize the faith of the people. The Holy Spirit is here. You have sent this urging of the Holy Spirit. You have sent this sweet gentleman, oh, this lovely gentleman called the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost. Oh, Spirit of God, fall upon our people. Fall upon us, O God, and from within. Come down into the very deepest resource of the soul, I pray, Lord, and begin to illuminate and cast out darkness out of the dark places and those tithers places, Lord, where your people are in a state of question, in a state of quandary. I pray that you'll be the answer and the solution, Lord, to their question. Oh, God, some are in a dilemma at this moment. I pray that you'll be the solution for the dilemma. Oh, God, some are in need, but we're not praying so much for the for the needs of this life, but we're praying for these spiritual needs, oh, God, that the next time they come and sit in this congregation, they will have already experienced a powerful transformation of the Holy Spirit, oh God. I pray you'll burn up dross, burn up the emptiness, oh God. Burn up these things that are needlessly encroaching upon our spiritual life. Burn up the frivolity, Lord. Burn up the world. Move the world out, oh God. Move every trace of the world out, I pray. And may our whole focus and all of our energy be a a focus, oh God, and be in one direction. And that is for your achievement, your achievement to express your yourself come come a holy spirit come i pray fill us oh god fill us supercharge us oh god fill us i pray lord fill us let this congregation let every man who knows to pray every woman who knows to pray let me hear your voice calling upon this god that you believe is present with us calling upon this christ come oh transforming light come Oh, holy power, come, oh, creator, create in us a new heart, create in us a clean heart, create in us, oh, God, what would glorify you and express you. Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, my Lord, my Lord, oh, God, 
Oh God, we need a transformation. Oh God, every man, every woman, my Lord, my God, come I pray in all of your beauty and all of your glory. Come, oh Holy Spirit, and give them, a, give them an experience they've not had before. In the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. If God has spoken to you, young men, call upon Him. Lift your hands up and surrender to Him. Give Him, give Him all of yourself. Here I am, Lord. Take me. Take me. Take me, Father. Let me be what I've never been before. Transform me, oh God. Let me be that kind of a testimony. We're here under the auspices of the Holy Spirit to testify that Christ has come amongst us. That is what you're testifying. Oh God, let this ring so deep into the hearts of the people. Pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Let the Holy Spirit. Somebody needs to say yes. I'll say yes. I'm going to say yes to you, oh God. I'm going to say yes to your will. Say yes to your way. I'm going to say no to myself. I'm going to say no to just the things of this world. I'm going to say yes to you, mighty God. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let God have his way back there. Amen. Call upon him. Call upon him. Oh, God. There needs to be a yielding here. Let this congregation yield now. Just yield. Don't be silent about it. Just yield. Say, Father, I'm here. I'm standing for a purpose. Lord, I don't want to leave. I will not leave this building with anything less than the full measure that you have for me this morning. This man preached his heart out. Oh God, correct the things that need to be corrected in my life. Hallelujah. Spirit of God, break me, mold me, shape me. Someone's praying, Lord, come by here. Someone's. I trust you're praying. Call. Call upon him. Call upon him. Oh, someone's praying. Come by here, my Lord. Come by here, my Lord. Come by here. Come by
Jesus, I surrender. I feel that there may be someone that's still waiting. I feel that the Holy Spirit is speaking. And it's saying, why do you wait? Why do you wait, dear brother? Death changes nothing. And when you cross over, there will be a great white throne judgment. And the peoples that will be gathered there'll be the believers and the bride will sit 
with him. I've thought of this and I would need extra grace from God because I'm not one that would relish or cherish the kind of moment where I could be gathered by his grace, by his love, by his grace. And those of us that will be gathered certainly will be standing with him in a great white throne judgment and there will be those that will be gathered. I would, I don't relish the thought of looking down and seeing a face of one that sat in the service and I knew that God was dealing with them and I knew they were not converted and to see them standing there at the great white throne judgment. But friends, the Bible before me that's going to happen and this is the opportunity God's giving you every opportunity God is the straining of the Holy Spirit the pleading of the Holy Spirit the call of God it's not a man that you withstand it's not a it's not just a sermon it's not just a Sunday morning this is not just a church this is a people representing the coming of Jesus Christ The messengers come, God. Malachi 4, Luke 17, 30, Revelation 10, 7, happened, gone. You say, well, I wish I could have lived there. Listen to me. Listen to me. You don't want to go a little further down the road and say, I wish I would have surrendered then. You don't want to find yourself on the other side. So I should have done it. So you're trying to scare us. I'm more than scaring you. I'm persuading you with everything that's in me. You think this is scary? Be on the other side or get to the very last moment. And the prophet even describes it with death leaving, life leaving your body. Say, I I, I want to say something. I stood at my uncle's bedside and and he he wanted to say something. He was struggling in bed. He was trying to say something to me. And the nurse thought he was in distress. He gave him a shot. He never woke up. He slipped on the next few minutes. I've never wanted known what he wanted to say. What have you wanted to say? You don't want to look in the eyes of Jesus and say, Oh, I, I, I wanted to say forgive me, but I, I, I didn't. Why didn't you? I want to surrender. Why do you wait, dear brother? Why do you tarry so long? Don't tarry give them all now I have no order to this service the order of this service is the order of the Holy Spirit don't linger don't wait let's meet on the other side rejoicing let's take a verse of that brother Rod and then we're going to close pray with me I do
might know that the Holy Spirit has ordered this service. I had an entire slide presentation for you this morning. And I laid it all aside. Probably a good half hour, a slide presentation with scriptures and quotes that I felt were for you. Lord willing, if we have another meeting, we'll have another time. Until then, I'm going to commit you to God and the words that have been spoken to God. I'm going to pray that this word will really sink very, very deep in the coming days, that you'll ponder it very, very deeply. And even those of us in the congregation who have been in the way a long time, and you have a good grasp of the message, don't ever think for a moment that you've got it all, because we don't have it all. And I'm raising some questions. We don't want to go in a false security that we're way up the road and we're way ahead of everybody else. That just ain't so. It's just not, it's not so. Because God is, God is uh, stirring our nest. God is really digging very, very deep. And we need to have that take place in our lives. We'll bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, so kind, so kind. So thankful, so thankful, Lord, for the words that have been given to us by God from your very mouth and through your mouthpiece, your prophet messenger. And when you have told us and confirmed to us that you love fatherhood, then I can stand here today and these people can stand knowing that you have brought us here because you so loved to express yourself as a father. And as a father, you'll provide what we have need of. And Lord, we stand here needy people. I have need. Everyone has need. And Lord, the one thing I desire and I pray for earnestly that you will reveal yourself and more of yourself in your word. Reveal yourself to me. Lord, I just live off your word. Nothing means so much as to be able to see you. See you, Lord Jesus. See you magnified and see you exalted and see you in your word. And and then to live, Lord, live in the people you desired to live in the people. You wanted the preeminence. This was one of your great, great achievements to, to achieve. And you have a motive for doing it, Lord. I say today, let my voice ring out into eternity. Have the preeminence, oh God. In your people, have the preeminence. When we gather together, may you have the preeminence. And then, Lord... The last that your prophet spoke of to restore us back to that original Eden. Oh, take us back. We're on our way back, Lord. I just can't seem to move fast enough. I want to move back, oh God. That original Eden, Lord, and all of its Eden beauty, and all of its Eden harmony, and all of its Eden fellowship, Lord, how we desire that. Oh God, let the millennium come, Father. Let the orchestra start up, Lord. Let the angel band begin to sing, oh God. For the saints are coming home. Lord Jesus, I pray you'll bless this people. Bless all who have prayed. Bless all who have surrendered. All who have raised their hand. All that have opened their heart to receive the word, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
Let's all stand, please. Blessed be the tie that binds our heart in Christian love. And you may shake hands with one another and you're dismissed. Pray for me, would you? As we pray for one another. Look forward to seeing you if you are able to be here at the memorial service tomorrow. Blessed be the tie.